I have been looking forward to this episode for a long time. We've reached number nine of our 10 consumer trends. We're going to talk all about niche audiences. So Chris Anderson is the author of a book called The Long Tail, and it perfectly sums up, I think, what is happening to markets all over the world. The internet is to blame, but this isn't a bad thing at all. In fact, I think it's great. And we shouldn't be blaming the internet. We should be thanking the internet. Come on back so I can explain exactly what is meant by the big head and the long tail. We're gonna talk about Chris Anderson, Seth Godin, Kevin Kelly. It will change the way you look at the world. I promise, don't go anywhere. There's an old saying goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast for anyone who's looking. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close, and this is Restaurant Strategy, a weekly podcast dedicated entirely to the hospitality industry. Each week, I leverage my 20-plus years in the industry to help you build a more profitable and a more sustainable business. I also work directly with operators all over the world through my group coaching programs to address and overcome the specific challenges we face in our industry. Curious to learn more about those programs? Simply set up a free 45-minute strategy session with me at restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash schedule. Let me show you how simple it can be to run a profitable restaurant. Again, restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash schedule. As always, you'll find that link in the show notes. Despite easing restrictions, we are all still strapped into the roller coaster ride of fluctuating food prices. That, combined with continuing staffing challenges, makes it more important than ever to control your costs to remain profitable. Margin Edge is a restaurant management software that uses POS integration and invoice data to show you your food and labor costs in real time, so you can make informed decisions in the moment rather than weeks after the period ends. By automating your invoice processing and totally digitizing your back office, Margin, and Margin Edge saves your team hours on paperwork and gives you instant insights to manage your prime costs. Take control of those costs with real-time data. Best of all, listeners of the show get to try Margin Edge free for 30 days. No contract, no setup fee, free and unlimited training and support. To learn more, simply visit marginedge.com slash chip. That link is also in the show notes. So again, we are here at episode nine out of 10, where we're talking all about consumer trends. Why? Because marketing is all about changing consumer behavior, right? Uh, Seth Godin always says, right? To, when we market something, we're trying to uh, trying to make a change happen. If the change doesn't happen, then the marketing didn't work. So we have to be really clear on what we want the change to be, what we want to happen, and measure whether that change happened. So it would behoove us, if, if we're talking about consumer behavior, it would behoove us to get to know the consumer a little better, to understand what's happening in the world so that we can adapt, so that we can succeed. So in today's uh, episode, we're talking all about niche audiences. And to do that, I wanna introduce you to something called the long tail, right? So what is it exactly, right? What is the long tail? The long tail is a business strategy that allows companies to realize significant profits 
by selling low volumes of hard to find items to many customers. So instead of only selling large volumes of a reduced number of popular items, the term was first coined in 2004, again, by Chris Anderson in his book called The Long Tail, who argued that products in low demand or with low sales volume can collectively make up market share that rivals or even exceeds the relatively few current bestsellers and blockbusters, but only if the store or distribution channel is large enough, right? So again, there's this idea of the big head and the long tail. When you look at, say, uh, you know, Amazon sales of popular music sales, right? You'll see a couple of bestsellers at the beginning. That's the, that's the big head. You know, so if you think of it like a like a graph, you know, huge amounts of sales, right? Millions and millions of copies sold. And then as you go out to like the second most popular and the third most popular and the fourth most popular and the fifth most popular, there's a pretty steep decline. So that by the time you get to like the 10th most popular album, they've got just a fraction of what the number one bestseller has, right? And then number 50 is like a 10th of what number 10 has. And number 100 is about as, They've sold about a tenth as much as number 50, right? So 1, 10, 50, 100, 200, 300, all the way on to infinity, you get the long tail. And what Chris Anderson was saying is that, you know, iTunes was the first one to really do this well. iTunes was the everything music store. They didn't care what you bought. They didn't care what your taste was. They were going to make money off you no matter what. So whatever you want, here you go, buy it all. Amazon largely does the same thing. They'll sell the popular items, they'll sell the really, uh, the really niche, uh, obscure items. They don't care what you buy because they're gonna get a piece of everything. So to equate this, right, I'll share a story from my own life. When I was in high school, I was really into music, specifically for a big, for a big chunk of uh, the first two years of high school, I was really into punk music. Now, this was long before iTunes, really before the internet was anything. And the only way to get into music was to go to the music store, right? To go to the mall, to Sam Goody, to the wall, or to go to your local record store and, and pray that they had what you were looking for, what you liked. So again, I was really into punk music, old school, new school, uh, hardcore, ska, you name it, I was into it. I couldn't get enough. And, and, and punk music was like the very definition of niche, right? It was out there, it wasn't popular, right? So I was also really into, you know, other music. So, you know, grunge and, and stuff like that. Um, but what I was really, uh, what I was really seeking was punk music. So everything from Operation Ivy to Shelter to Seven Seconds to like these really like obscure bands that most people didn't know. So I had a, I had a really search to find it. And I had a really uh, struggle to find my tribe, quote unquote, right? To find other people who were as into that music as I was, who, who really like tried to track down those, uh, those rare albums, right? Because it wasn't, again, it wasn't like I could just go find it on Spotify or I could just go find it at the wall. A lot of this stuff didn't exist at the wall. It was way, way, way out on the long tail. And the wall, for example, had limited real estate. They could only fit so much in there. And so what did they put in there? They put the popular items, the popular items that they felt would sell the most. So this idea that Chris Anderson put out about the, uh, the big head and the long tail is that you're always gonna have your best sellers, your, your, your items bunched all the way to the left with a huge, huge 
you know, volume of sales. And then as we go further and further out to the right on the graph, they get lower and lower and lower and lower and lower and lower. And that there's an audience for all that stuff way out in the long tail. They just have to find their audience. So now here's the really cool thing that happened again with the internet, right? iTunes is the, the best example that I gave. Music is the best uh, example I can give to this because uh, because music tastes are so varied, especially especially now. I mean, they, they probably always were, but now it's just easier to find what you're really into, to find really obscure stuff. And the beauty of the internet is that you can then connect with other fans who are fans of this really obscure stuff. The idea though, is that there's power in niche audiences, right? That everyone for a long time in music, for example, was, uh, was going for the mass market, was trying to get on the radio to get the most amount of audience members possible, right? And that's a surefire way to be a, be a mega star, but also really hard for every thousand people that are trying to, to, to make it, there's only one Taylor Swift. And I'm probably being conservative. It's probably for every 10,000 people who are trying to be a pop star, there's only one Taylor Swift, right? And that's, that's really important to understand, right? That if you just wanna hit the lottery, if you just wanna be that megastar, if you wanna have the biggest hit ever, then you gotta keep thumping and you gotta keep driving up that road. But nowadays, because of the internet, we've got more ways than ever to find an audience and build an audience and to serve them in the odd way that they wish to be served. And restaurants are no different, right? There are plenty of restaurants. And again, I have the great fortune of being here in New York City, right? There are all kinds of restaurants over the city that have 20 seats. They don't need to do 200 covers a night. They can be really successful doing 40 or 45 covers a night. So they don't need mass appeal. They just need to find the people really odd, weird, quirky people who like the obscure cuisine that they're making. And I joke around by calling it quirky, weird, obscure, but it could be anything. Just could be stuff that's not very, again, that's not very popular. Here in New York, there aren't many uh, German restaurants, right, over the, over the city. There are, there are a couple, there are a couple, but, uh, but not a lot. The two I know of are Zoom Schneider and Zoom Stomptisch, right? One's in the Lower East Side and one's out in uh, Queens. We're in New York City, it's a city of eight million people. You'd imagine that there'd be like, I don't know, at least 20 or 30 that would come to mind. But we're not, because there's not a huge demand for German food. But you know what, people like German food, really like German food. And if you're in the mood for that, you're gonna go find that. Now, more than ever, right, and th those restaurants are both decades old, and they've succeeded largely because they found their audience and all. But if you wanted to create a German restaurant now, I'm guessing that here in New York City, there's an audience for that. And you can find that because it's gonna be way out in the long tail and you will find your people. Now, the other piece of the long tail, and this was in that definition that I read to you, right, is this, uh, this explanation, right, basically summing up, uh, basically summing up what iTunes does or what, um, or what Amazon does is that they make their money by offering a lot of obscure items, right? A little bit of a lot of different items adds up to the same amount or sometimes even more than selling a lot of a lot of the most popular item. There's a, there's a model there. And we're gonna talk about 
the next thing, because I want to talk a little bit more about Seth Godin, and I want to talk a little bit more about a guy named Kevin Kelly. I've talked about both of them a lot on the show, but all of that and more in just a minute after a word from another one of our sponsors. Now, today's episode of Restaurant Strategy is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern team management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. Effective team management is more important than ever to ensure profitability and restaurant success, especially as restaurants start to open back up and expand their teams. Trusted by more than half a million restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the tools you need to simplify scheduling, easily manage time and attendance, communicate with your team, and retain talent. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll systems you already use, turning your team into a competitive advantage for your business. Right now, Restaurant Strategy podcast listeners can get three months absolutely free. To get started, visit sevenshifts.com slash restaurant strategy. That's the number seven, S-H-I-F-T-S dot com slash restaurant strategy to get three months of industry-leading team management for free. As always, that link is in the show notes. So again, we're talking about niche audiences. And I said, I want to talk about Chris Anderson, Seth Godin, and Kevin Kelly. Again, this idea of the big head and the long tail, the best example of the long tail is Amazon. They're the everything store. They don't care what you buy as long as you buy. Instead of trying uh, to serve everyone, we should seek to serve what Seth Godin calls the meaningful specific or the smallest viable audience. And this is where we're gonna try to do something different than Amazon. Amazon simply presents everything evenly. And yes, there are promotions. Yes, there's advertising. Yes, you can get listed higher or whatever. But at the end of the day, Amazon's got everything. Now, we've got to try and market something. So again, Seth Godin calls this the meaningful specific, or he often talks about the smallest viable audience. And by that, he means, what's the smallest group of people you can market to and still be successful? Right? Again, What's the smallest group of people you can market to and still be successful? I gave the example of some, you know, quirky little uh, Lower East Side wine bar with 15 or 20 seats. They don't need 200 covers a night. They could never capture 200 covers a night. They probably need 30 or 40 people a night to be really successful, right? They have figured out that they only need a small group of people. And this idea of the smallest viable audience leads me to another idea that was presented about two decades ago by a guy named Kevin Kelly. Now, Kevin Kelly wrote, uh, has written a couple of books, uh, the most famous one being What Technology Wants. Uh, he also wrote a book called The Inevitable. He talks a lot about the future, about where we're going. He is uh, perhaps as obsessed as I am with uh, consumer behavior and, and consumer trends, which way we're going. And again, 20 years ago, he, he hit the nail right on the head. He wrote an essay called A Thousand True Fans. Maybe you've read it. Maybe you've heard me talk about it because I have talked about it before. If you have heard me talk about it, I'm sorry, apologies. I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna cover it again. If you haven't heard it before, I, I urge you to seek it out. I'm gonna give you the Cliff Notes version here. Uh, but if you just type in Kevin Kelly, 1,000 true fans, you Google that, it will come up. You can read it for free, uh, absolutely, uh, there on the internet, right? So Kevin Kelly wrote an essay 20 years ago 
uh, called A Thousand True Fans. And it basically goes like this. And again, I'm going to use musicians as an example because I think it's a good example. Uh, and then we can apply this back to the restaurants. But he said, you know, this idea of, you know, for every thousand people trying to be a star, there's only one Taylor Swift. And yet, and yet, it's totally possible now these days with the internet and this idea of the long tail, it's totally possible to make a living, to be successful doing your art. And all you need is a thousand true fans. His idea was, instead of trying to get millions and millions and millions of fans, if you just found a thousand people who would be willing to give you $100 every year, that turns into $100,000. And for most musicians, that's a really good living. Now, is it the millions and millions and millions of dollars that Taylor Swift makes? No, it's not. But $100,000 to do what you're most passionate about in the world, I think that's pretty, uh, I think that's pretty profound. And I think $100,000 goes a long way in many parts of the country. So again, Kevin Kelly said, if you just found 1,000 people who'd be willing to give you $100 every year, meaning they buy one of your albums for $20 and they go to a, one of your concerts, where they buy an album, they go to a concert, and they buy a T-shirt, right? Some combination of how they give you a $100. All you need is 1,000 of them who would be willing to show up. True fans, meaning they are committed. They are super fans. They are willing to show up whenever you have a show. They are gonna buy that album no matter what. They are gonna buy the new t-shirt at that concert no matter what. Well then if you think about it, you could play a bar that would have like 100 people in there. All you gotta do is play 10 shows a year. Or if you could fill a bar with 50 people, you play 20 times a year. Are there 20 cities? Are there 20 dates across this country where you could play, and listen, most musicians end up playing a lot more. So you actually don't need that much. And that was his case. He was making the case for, if you think about it, I don't think you need that much if you're really clear on what you want in life. Now, if your goal is to be rich and famous and be a mega star and have six cars and three mansions and all that, okay, keep trying to be Taylor Swift. But it's a numbers game. So again, Chris Anderson's idea of the long tail Seth Godin's idea of this smallest viable audience and Kevin Kelly's idea of a thousand true fans, I think are all working in concert together. So niche audiences, how do we cater to exactly the people who are most apt to love what we do? I've used this example before and I've said, you know, marketers, um, uh, you know, a marketer fails when they have to convince the consumer of two things, right? So, for example, let's say I've got my coffee shop, Chip's Coffee Shop, and I go up to somebody and say, hey, do you, uh, do you like coffee? And the person says, no, I don't, I don't really drink coffee. And then I say, oh, well, coffee's great in the morning. You should definitely drink coffee every morning. And when I convince you of that, let me convince you to come to my coffee shop. I've lost because I have to convince them to drink coffee, and then I have to come, uh, convince them to come drink my coffee better and that sounds ridiculous right but that's what so many of us do when we market our restaurants when we market our products we're just trying to get anybody in rather than let's find the people who love coffee every morning and who are in the vicinity who would be most apt to come try our coffee place to everybody who loves coffee in the morning come get our coffee that's a different 
thing. That, in my overly simplistic example, proves that you know who your audience is. You know what they want, and you're providing them with something that they want. So, in Kevin Kelly's example of the thousand true fans, could you find a thousand people that need something that you are uniquely qualified to provide? Now let's extrapolate that out because the example doesn't quite work for what we do in the restaurant, but it basically works. So maybe we need more than a thousand. We need more than a thousand people to give us a hundred dollars a year because a hundred thousand dollars isn't going to go very far when we've got, you know, a chef, a bunch of cooks, waiters, uh, busboys, bartenders, and we got a lot of people to pay. We got purveyors and rent, and I get it, I get it. But the premise of the idea is the same. What's the smallest number of people? What's that smallest viable audience? Who are the people that are going to be super fans of you? That are going to love what you do no matter what? That when you send out an email and say, hey, we're putting on three new dishes next week. Come join us. That they click and book a reservation. That they change their plans. That's a true fan. And that's how you build a successful restaurant. My point in all of this is that this was probably important long before. It's just more obvious now. And luckily, it's much more possible now. Thanks to the internet. Thanks to automation tools like Seven Rooms and Bicky and Pop Menu. They're offering really compelling ways to speak directly to our audience. And P.S., this links right into what we're talking about next week, the 10th and final episode in this arc about consumer trends. So if you haven't done it, go read Chris Anderson's uh, book, The Long Tail. If you haven't read any Seth Godin, type in Seth Godin, smallest viable audience, and read some of his blog posts and writings and articles about that. Listen to some of the podcasts he's been on. Uh, he's been on The Moment with Brian Koppelman a bunch of times. Every one of those interviews is absolute gold. And then you gotta go read Kevin Kelly's essay, 1,000 True Fans. It'll take you 10 minutes to read. Together, I hope all of those will change your mindset, will shift the way you think about who your audience is, who your audience needs to be. Again, the best way to do this is figure out who needs something that you're uniquely qualified to provide, and then you provide them with that. That's what I wanted to talk about today, guys. Again, this is number nine in a 10-episode arc talking all about consumer trends. I appreciate you being here. Again, if you want to set up a free 45-minute strategy session with me personally, go visit restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash schedule. 45 minutes. I'll get to know you. You'll get to know me. Let's see if you're a good fit for the uh, coaching programs. And if not, no hard feelings. You will leave with some real tangible uh, advice for what to do next. I hope to hear from you guys. Be well. See you next week.